Hi guys, it's Chloe, and I know, I know, I know. If you're keeping track of the days, it's Wednesday, not Tuesday. Why am I posting Tuesday's episode on Wednesday? Well, we didn't have time to post it on Tuesday. Or, well, if you want the real explanation, we forgot. So, I'm going to be reading the next chapter for Ava. And then later, we'll post Wednesday's episode. Okay? Let's do this. But yeah, we're sorry. It's just kind of hard to do this. Okay. Chapter 2, April. For two days, we ride on a train. I remember very little of the first day. Eugen, his nose pushing through a gap in, a, in the crate. Father, his arms holding to m- holding, his arms folding, holding me to his chest. Mother, her hand resting on father's shoulder. But that is all. Now I keep still so that no one will notice that I'm awake. Father sits next to me, his head resting against the back of the seat, his eyes closed. Mother sits across from father also sleeping. Grandfather stares at a blind that covers a window. Across the aisle, others sleep. Ryo, though, peeks behind a corner of the blind, covering his window. A soldier walks towards him, his boots heavy even over the loud rumble and clack of the rain. Mother wakes and leans forward to tap father's knee. Others wake up, too. When Ryo sees the soldier, he drops the edge of the blind. Good morning, the soldier says. He lifts the blind and then moves to the next window, raising the blinds one after the other. Another soldier brings a cart loaded with boxes of food. Breakfast, he calls. The soldiers sit among my neighbors, eating and talking with them. My neighbors do not look afraid of the soldiers. The soldiers do not look afraid of us. Father sits near the soldiers, eating and talking. Mother brings a box of fruit with fruit and bread. She offers it to Grandfather. No, daughter, he says. Kimmy sits on Father's knee. She leans close to me and says, I'm sorry about you, June. I do not want to think about this. I close my eyes and pretend to fall asleep. Maybe I do sleep. When I open my eyes, the breakfast cart is gone. Kimmy is gone. Father is gone. Mother is still here. Her hand on grandfather's shoulder again. So ugly, I hear someone say. So empty, I hear someone else say. Where are the trees? I hope we do not end up someplace like this. Like that. Another voice adds. The train slows to a stop. We step off the train and board the waiting buses. The buses will drive us to our destination. As we get closer, I see bits and pieces through my window. Fences, barbed wire, guard towers, buildings covered with black pepper, red dirt. I read the sign, sign, Manzanar. It is ugly, and we do end up in this place. The soldiers help us off the buses and motion to us to gather our, to gather in a group while we, while our luggage is unloaded. I see that there are many people I don't recognize. I do not know where they come from. While we wait for instructions, Mother says, Desert, desert, there's no water, no green. 
Her cheeks are wet with tears. It is prison, she says. The soldiers say it'll be a village, Father says. We will make it a village. A soldier calls out numbers from the from a paper. The island families follow the soldiers. Block one, the shoulder sh- soldier sh- shouts, pointing to the right rows of black-covered buildings. Admission, he shouts, pointing to the left. We walk past the buildings and then cross a dirt road. Block two, he shouts, pointing to the right, more black-covered buildings. Garage, he shouts, pointing to the left. We cross another dirt road. Road. Block three, he shouts, pointing to the right. Your block. Block three looks like the other blocks. Black-covered buildings lined up in two rows. But the building in block three are not finished. This is where the island families will live. There are 14 barracks barracks per block. The soldier says each soldier says each barrack will be divided into four gr- rooms. The soldier chap taps a building and says barrack 1. He calls out numbers and tells each family each room is there. He goes to bar- barracks 2 and then barracks 3. At barracks 4, he calls our number. That's us, Father says. I touch the black wall of the building before I go inside. It is rough and almost sticky. We go to our room, and another family comes inside too. The Soto family. I count. There are ten people in here, but there are only eight cots. Mother walks to the back of the corner and arranges four cots in a rectangle. Father and Mr. Soto go outside. Grandfather sits on a cot. I have lived here too long, he says. His heart, My heart squeezes when I hear grandfather's words. Mother rushes to him and holds his hands. All will be well, she said. The other children sit in a heap on the floor. Mother helps Mrs. Soto arrange suitcases and cots. Mrs. Soto has a large belly and a baby coming at any moment. Sit, Mother tells her. You need to rest. Mrs. Soto starts to cry. I curl up in a ball on the cot next to grandfather's. Mother's na- mother nails a string from one wall to the wall across from it. Then she drapes sheets over the string. Now we have more privacy, she says. I look around inside our room. I can hear whispers of the Soda family. I can smell many bodies in one small space. There is no privacy, I think. Loud clanging makes the Soto children freeze. The clanging continues, and they start to cry. Mrs. Soto hushes them. Mother goes outside to see what is happening. Time for dinner, she says when she returns. You must bring your own dishes. After Mrs. Soto and her children leave, Mother takes my hand. Come, Manami, she says, pulling me to my feet. I don't let go of her hand. Father? Mother asks. I am not hungry, says Grandfather. I'll bring something back for you, Mother says. Mother and I carry our dishes and join our neighbors outside. A large wind passed the black-covered barracks to larger buildings. It seems as if everyone block three is here. Manami! Kimi is ahead of us, waving her hand. 
She steps down the line to stand with us. Our barrack, barracks is crowded. She says, I'm in number seven. What number are you in? Mother answered, Kimi. Number four. She says, who's in your barracks? I can hear Kimi and Mother talking, but I do not pay attention. Then Kimi squeezes my hand. See you soon, she says before she goes back to her mother. Father joins Mother and me. He in the slow-moving line. A sign near me says Mess Hall, Block 3. The mess hall is filled with tables and benches. The line moves towards the back where food is being served. There is a long table. Three people stand behind it, scooping food onto our dishes. I collect my dinner and follow mother and father to an empty spot at a table. The room rumbles with low voices and forks clinking against plates. I am so hungry, so I take a bite of mashed potatoes on my plate. They are sticky and thick, and the more I try to swallow, the stickier and thicker they grow. I do not like these potatoes. But I am still hungry, so I take a bite of the corn on my plate. It has no flavor, but at least it isn't sticky and thick. There is some kind of meat, too. It is shaped like a square. I try to imagine a bowl of rice and a plate of fruit. I am so hungry, I eat the f- I am hungry, so I eat the food, but I do not like it. I soon discovered that if I crouch down with low with my eyes next to the ground, I can pretend that the dirt looks like sand here. If I stand tall with my bare feet, I can pretend the dirt feels like sand here. When I open my mouth to speak, the dirt no longer feels like sand. It sticks to my lips and tongue like red mud. It coats my throat so I cannot speak. I think this is what has happened to me. I wish the dirt would close my eyes too. So that I could not, I would not see this place. That is not my home without Eugen. Say something, Mother tells me. We have been here for two days, and she is sitting behind me on my bed, her arms wrapped around me and her mouth next to my ear. It feels good to sit, sit like this. You are sad, she says. Maybe even angry. I close my eyes and listen to her words. Sad, angry, yes, maybe. But mostly scared and worried. Go outside and play with the other children, she says. Before the door closes behind me, I hear Grandfather speak. Let her be, he says. But she won't talk, Mother says. Give her time, he says. Kimmy waves to me from the big open space between block two and block three. Many children play there. So they talk and laugh. Some play with marbles, some play with the ball. Some stand in groups, giggling. Kimi asks me a question, but I cannot answer. It's okay, Kimi says. I know you're sad. I miss Eugen, too. What's wrong with her? Someone asks. Leave her alone, Kimi says. Why won't she talk? Just leave her alone, Kimi says. Kimi holds my hand tighter. But I don't want to be in this place with these children. I step backwards. Kimi looks at me and then lets my hand go. See you later, she whispers. Father starts to join the other fathers in the morning. They work all day, clearing brush for new buildings, and some help find the barracks in Block 3. Each is just like ours, a long rectangle divided into four rooms. They will keep building new blocks filled with more barracks, 36 blocks in all. After two weeks, Father gets permission for us to move to a new barrack in Block 3. Block 3. 
Bar- Barracks 8 is finished now, Father explains. We carry our suitcases to the room. Father tells us this is our new home. Inside, it is the same as the room in Barrack 4. Sharp scent of fresh wood. A window where dust can blow in because there are gaps in the frame. Mother empties the pillowcase of dirt and garlic and onions onto the ground outside. She washes the pillowcase and cuts the seams. She sews the edges, making a curtain. She nails it over the window. Light filters in, but dirt mostly stays out. Outside, along the wall of our barracks, I use Grandfather's rake to smooth the dirt. The rake is not much larger than my hand. On the island, Grandfather used to make designs in the sand. It is wide and flat here. I can see mountains far away and pine trees too. It is like the beach. No plants, but also not like the beach. No waves. So I make my own waves in the dirt with Grandfather's rake. He comes to the doorway and watches me. Pretty, he says. The wind is strong, so I cannot hear well. But suddenly, I think I hear Eugene's yap in the distance. Perhaps Eugene escaped from his crate and followed the train and chased it until it was out of sight. Perhaps he knew to stay. You, perhaps he knew to stay close to the train tracks. Perhaps after so many days, he is near us, near enough so I can hear his yap in the wind. I look and look and look, but I do not see Eugene. Now I do not hear him either. Grandfather motions for me to come back inside. On our first morning in the new room, Mother rises early. Before the sun is up, she organizes it. There's a shelf on one wall where Mother stacks dishes and a tea tin and towels. Under the shelf, she puts Father's tools in his fishing box. She arranges the cots so that they line up. They line the walls. She sets three suitcases on to one on top of one another in the middle of the room to make a table. She drapes a sheet over it. Mother puts the last suitcase in a corner where that is away from the window and the door. She lays a pretty cloth over it and sets up our family altar. On top of the cloth, she puts a picture of grandmother and a picture of father's parents. She adds a shell from our beach. Then she takes her seeds, goes outside, and plants a garden. One mound of onions, one mound of garlic, one mound of zucchini, one mound of tomatoes, one mound of cucumbers, and one mound of cantaloupe. When she's finished, she says, let's hope for rain. But day after day, there is no rain. When she complains, father says rain will come. And in the winters, there will be snow. I remember the questions mother couldn't answer when she said we are leaving our island. Where are we going? Now I know. A prison in the desert. Or maybe a village in the desert. For how long? Now I know. Long enough to grow a garden. Maybe even long enough to see winter. Why? I still do not know the answer to that question. But I can be patient. Mother tears a blank sheet of paper from a notebook and sets it on the table with a pencil. This morning, Father... Father mailed letters to Keiko and Ron, she says. I thought maybe you would like to write them, too. I sit at the table and look at the paper. There are many things I would like to write. They have taken us from the island. They have taken Eugene. Father does not leave our room. I want to go home. In the end, I write none of this. 
I carefully tear my paper into two pieces and write one letter to one letter to Ron and one letter to Kieko. The same message for both. Please come. I stuff the letters inside the envelopes Mother gives me. You can post your letters to the admission building. Mother gives me tells me, give them to the postman. As I leave our room, Mother hands me two bowls to fill with water at the pump near the mess hall. She tells me this will be it will be my job to water her garden in the morning. But first I can mail my letters. I put my letters in my dress pocket, leaving leave the bowl at the pump and walk towards the admis- administration buildings. The wind is strong enough to blow my hair straight up. I hear yapping on the wind again. It sounds like Eugen. I'm sure it's Eugen, but I don't see him. A man with curly dark hair is sitting behind a desk where the post office is set up. A policeman is there too. The policeman has a face like mine, a Japanese face. What do you want, girl? I hear him, but dirt coats my throat. Girl, what do you want? He asks again. Girl! I run from the building. Down, I run down the prison road. I run towards the water pump where I left Mother's Bulls. And now I know why I can't hear Eugene's yapping anymore. There are shadows near the water pump. Shadows on the wall. And those shout in, and in those shadows I see Eugene drink. I see Eugen drinking from one of Mother's bowls. I run faster, but when I reach the bowl, I realize Eugene isn't there. Only the bowls are there. I drop to the ground to catch my my breath. I don't understand. I hear Eugen. I saw Eugen. Where is he? I fill the bowls with water and empty them on Mother's garden, and then I remember my letters. Maybe Mother will mail them for me. I set the bowls down and reach into my pocket, but the letters are gone. I have lost them. And that is our one chapter. Um, I will... Well, I'll talk to you guys later when Ava's out. When I can set up my Zoom meeting with Ava. And I will see you guys next time. Bye!